Don Luca, smoke you like my hookah Pump fake right, then I step back in illusion That's a boss move maneuver, billionaire entrepreneur Mark Cuban on the viewer, put you rookies on a skewer I stay shitting on you boys like I came up from the sewer Used to have a lot of dollars, now I got a lot fewer What you saying to me? I hope you save it for me I'm about to kill the game, and I put it in my testimony Hi, welcome back to the Mainstream Mass Podcast. This is your host, Will. I'm joined here by my co-host, Jaren. What is up, guys? And today, we are going to be continuing our season in review series as we profile Justin Holiday, Davis Bertans, and Markeith Morris. Uh, probably the the sort of uh, just trifecta uh, that all Mavericks fans sort of think of when they think about Dallas Mavericks basketball. And we wanted to go ahead and hash these out today for you guys, of course, because they are earnestly probably uh, the most important rotation players on the team. Uh, Jaron, uh, what are your uh, your brief thoughts on the the guys that we'll be doing today in terms of our uh, season and review profiles? You know, well, let me pose you a question for a little bit of change. Sorry to cut you off there, but you know, out of Justin Holiday, Markeith Morris, and Davis Bertans, how many of these players are on the Mavericks roster come August of the twenty three twenty four season? Uh, I'm going to go with about 0.5. There you go. There you go. One of, one of them will be halfway a Maverick in some sort of fashion, uh, halfway through the year. Then he'll get dealt or he'll like get waived at some point in the season. So I'm going to say 0.5. That's all. Right. Solid I'll, I'll number right there for everybody out there who uh, who's really into math. Um, but uh, nonetheless, so um, in all seriousness, uh, we, you know, do have to just part of our season review protocols. We want to make sure we preview everybody, even if it is, you know, at the back half of the roster. These are not going to be near as extensive or all inclusive as our uh, some of our latter uh, planned uh, season reviews where, you know, we're really going to get into the intricacies of sort of everything about the players. You know, you can only do so much when you're working off of a sample size that, you know, these these guys aren't even in the G League, for instance, you know, very small sample size. Uh, But we will do our best and we will talk about them ad nauseum as much as you guys can handle because you'd be surprised how much me and Jaren can milk up about random Mavericks players. But um, other than that, we will get into these guys. But before we do that, here is an ad from our sponsor, Spotify for Podcasters. All right, Jaren. So getting into it, starting with the Latvian laser himself, Davis Bertans, everybody's most coveted player. What would you say were some of the things he more impressed upon in an injury uh, sort of riddled season where, you know, he, where he was dealing with that calf problem for a while. I think he had some non-COVID related illness issues. I think he had some knee issues at points throughout the season. In totality, he only ended up finishing the year playing 45 games for the Mavericks, only averaging 11 minutes a game. He averaged 14.4 minutes a game in his brief stretch with the Mavericks after being dealt with the Wizards in the 2021-22 season. So obviously a bit of a drop off there. Uh, we saw a bit of you know, just more of a decreased role uh, from top to bottom. Um, he was definitely used a little bit more of a, as an as needed player uh, versus a guy who was in the rotation prominently. So what did you have to surmise um, in regards to, you know, some of the things he actually impressed upon, you know, on the court and uh, in a sort of just wonky season from uh, his perspective, at least. Yeah. I mean, going into this season, we didn't expect much from Davis Bertans, you know, I think uh, we had our rotations written down at one point uh, before the season started, and he was kind of in that back half of the rotation where he kind of ended the season. Uh, But I think some of the things that really surprised me was just, you know, his in-transition skills on offense, 
Uh, I felt like he ran the floor really well at at points. You know, there there was that time where I, I forget who it was, like the Josh Green, uh, maybe been Kyrie, and sort of Davis Bertans trio. They they had the the sort of in transition offense unlocks, and uh, you know him being one of those guys. You know, to me that's that's good because you know you think about Davis Bertans, you think about his three point shooting and just his ability to really move off ball to get the uh, to get the three point shot. Like that's really all he does whenever it comes to offense. But I, I think the in transition offense was something that really surprised me and surprised a lot of people. Uh, and I don't know about you, Will, but honestly, defensively, I feel like towards the back half of the season, he looked a, a little bit better. Uh, he just had like some active hands. I don't, I don't really know if it was anything that changed more, more so than aggression. Um, it it kind of seemed like you know he got a little bit more steals. You know, it was the usual sort of saloon door defense, but. Even still, I felt like he accounted for a little bit more stats uh, in the steal to statistic because, again, I mean, I felt like he had a little more active hands. So I think those are really the two things that surprised me most uh, with his offense and defense. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I, I can confidently say those are two things that I didn't expect him to do, or at least not to thrive in, but to to really, you know, get better in uh, as the season went along. Yeah, no, I definitely tend to agree with you in the regards to – what you were saying about his defense, because there were times at the sort of second stretch of the season there where we'd see him get matched up one-on-one -on -one with guys and, you know, at least try to, you know, flip his hips and really put a body on body for a guy. He is a guy that I think is um, definitely one of their, you know, more surprising athletes. He definitely gets the cliche label of the, you know, tall white European guy that can't jump, but he, he's got a little bit of a athleticism to him. It, it doesn't look all too fluid at times. Uh, but he he runs the four like a gazelle uh, at, you know, in transition. And uh, he, he does the same, you know, coming off all those staggers. He's constantly moving on offense. It does require a lot of stamina to play the role that he plays, um, even if it's in limited minutes. So you have to give him props from that perspective. And, uh, you know, I, I'd attribute most of his defensive deficiencies to probably his strength and, you know, or lack thereof rather. And, um, you know, just not having enough size on that frame because he, he is 6'10 and he does have good length. Um, he just doesn't have the verticality or the, the strength necessarily to, you know, really fit in defensively, whether that's, you know, being a rim protector. Uh, he does get torched quite often in pick and roll scenarios or, you know, any any anytime he's having to guard up on a point of attack uh, instance, you know, if he's having to guard a wing or a guard at the top of the key, uh, then you might as well say goodbye because he doesn't have the speed, the sort of a, um, just speed to keep up with them because he, he's just kind of I'd say just thrown into that sort of in-between category on defense that unfortunately you know has provided some shortcomings from him on that end but you know it wasn't as egregiously bad as some of the instances last year and I do agree with you that in terms of you know some of those individual one-on-one -on -one matchups he did do a little bit better around the margins um, you know he, he ran the floor in transition a little bit more this year got out and got those fast break points and you know, barring that, you know, when he's on offense, he, he's the focal point as a shooter, at least. And he's running off staggers to try and make a three uh, out of, you know, out of timeout, out of bounds plays. He's going to be running off a stagger to try to get a three. Uh, we basically saw the same old, same old from that perspective. Uh, you know, he did he did have a little bit like there were a few times, I think, late in the season where, you know, they, they threw him in the short roll a few times and, you know, made him make some passes out of there when he was playing in some late game scenarios. But uh, other than that, he he played his role to a T, and he I mean, he did everything that was asked out of him. Uh, he, you know, he just ran into some unfortunate bouts in regards to some of those injuries and illnesses that he had to deal with throughout the season. 
Yeah, no, I definitely tend to agree with what you said, Will. Um, as far as his three-point shooting goes, like that's sort of his trademark of his career, or of his uh, sort of offense. I felt like at times, you know, we were sort of robbed of that or, or not robbed of that, but, you know, there were certain games where, you know, you'd see the 0 for 4 shooting uh, and, you know, it'd be in a very short time period. And then there'd be very few games where, you know, he went off for the, uh, you know, the quote, pew, pew, pew um, games where he would go like six for six. Uh, so I, I don't know. It was just some like inefficiency shooting, I feel like at times. Uh, and then, of course, some really hot shooting at times. So I, I think that's just the benefactor of being a streak shooter like he is. Um, you know, I guess transitioning into this, I, I know our next topic is going to be, uh, you know, sort of improvements that they either made throughout the season or need to make uh, throughout next season or throughout this offseason. So I, I guess, you know, I'll start with you. Like, what what do you think Davis Bertans needs to do um, or what his biggest improvements were, you know, going into the season? Well, yeah, I mean, I just think, like you alluded to, just developing more consistency as a shooter uh, will definitely be a um, – will give him the opportunity to see more time on the court if he's, you know, to come back with the Mavericks. Um, but I do want to make a, a sort of point of note that he did shoot 39% from three this year, and that was a, 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 a solid little uptick uh, from some of the previous years. He hasn't shot um, above 36% since the 2020-2021 season with the Wizards where he shot 39.5%. And uh, that's sort of the genesis, right, of where we see, saw that contract uh, develop into, you know, an albatross of sorts. So um, ever since then, he's been on this, uh, you know, you know, sharp little decline, I guess, if you want to call it, in terms of his three-point shooting. And I, I don't know if it's just due to more volume or more players honing in on him as he's progressed throughout his career and he's, you know, become more renowned as, you know, a guy who just simply comes off staggers and is chucking it the first you know, time he gets the ball, whether it's the degree of difficulty of some of the shots he's taking. Um, but, you know, to see that uptick, to see him get back uh, to, you know, even if it's not uh, consistent from game to game in the sense that kind of like you said, Jaron, he'll go five of six and then, you know, oh of seven the next night, um, at least the percentage in itself is consistent. So, you know, hopefully he's marginally increased his value a slight bit from, uh, you know, having to literally pay to get off of his contract to, probably having to pay less to get off of his contract because uh, you're still probably going to have to pay either way. Um, but, you know, just developing more consistency as a three-point shooter, uh, using his athletic toolbox a little bit more, uh, you know, maybe just running out in transition. Uh, you know, he is a guy that at times when the Mavericks went into the four and three scenario, you know, he's often a guy that would, you know, backdoor cut in those scenarios and get a pass from the nail. You know, if he can just, be that sort of just, you know, kind of filler and uh, fill in the offensive holes and, and cogs a little bit more, especially with the the threat of him as a shooter, um, his ability to, you know, attack off of uh, closeouts or late rotations by the defense, even when he doesn't have the ball. Uh, those can all be things that can, uh, you know, improve his game around the margins. But we do have to look at it, you know, just like a lot of these guys that we're doing in this podcast, this guy, he's on the wrong side of 30. I don't know how much strength he's going to add throughout his career to, you know, just in Sanely bolster his defense. I don't know if he's going to become a vertical rim protecting threat. So uh, I think that we can, we can say that uh, kind of without doubt. So I, I just don't know how much more there is for him to really in, increase his uh, skill set and uh, value as a player. But, you know, if, if he can just maybe improve around the margins over the, some of those things, I think that that's the best route. Um, and, you know, in terms of things that he did better from last year, um, I think, you know, I think he may have got out in transition a little bit more this year and, you know, 
was maybe a, a shade bit defensively uh, better than he was with the Mavericks in his first go around stint. So that's what I would say. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely, you know, pretty much everything you said, I think is things that he can improve upon. Uh, you know, he, he's 30 years old, like, you know what you're going to get. Uh, and, you know, through a decent sample size as a Maverick, I think, you know, we we do understand, we do know what Davis Bertans does on the floor. And like I said, you know, I think that, and even you said, uh, you know, his sort of offense in transition and uh, as the sort of season picked along um, his defense, I, I think it was a nice surprise. Uh, but, you know, those aren't things that you can, ex- that you can expect him to prove upon. You just simply can't. So I, I think, you know, pretty much everything you said, just improve around the margins, uh, maybe, you know, he was 39% throughout the year, but like you said, it's just a streaky shooter. Uh, he's not going to have, you know, crazy consistency. So I think if he can improve upon that, uh, that'd probably be his biggest career improvements, um, you know, at this stage in his career. Yeah. What do you think about his role? Do you think that, um, let's take this, you know, into account that he would, in this instance and scenario, he would be coming back to the Mavericks, right? Let's say he comes back to the Mavericks next year. Um, do you think that he was, um, sort of miscast in his role this year? Do you think that he should have had a, a bigger role? And if he comes back next year, what do you expect his role to be? Yeah, I mean, I you know, I might take – this might be the unpopular opinion, but I felt like at points in the season, I felt like he had should have had a bigger role. Uh, you know, I think that this team, once, you know, you realize 40, 60 games along the season, you know, you're not going to have a defense, uh, which is pretty much the case for this Mavericks team. I think that you need to fully commit to one side of the ball, and they didn't do that. Uh, I think, you know, maybe clocking in Davis Bertans just a little bit more minutes, maybe getting him, because I think he clocked 11 minutes on average this season. Yeah. Uh, I think if you could have gotten him up to the 15 mark, uh, you know, you probably could have seen some improvements on the offensive side, because even the offense was sort of uh, dying at times uh, later in the season. So I think, you know, there's an argument to be made for him to have had a bigger role uh, throughout last season, but, you know, it came and went. Uh, I, I can't really argue with that because that's such a, a marginal sort of, you know, Nick or uh, yeah, sort of like yeah. niche that you can make. So I, I'm not going to, you know, gripe too much about that. But if he does, you know, come back a Maverick, which I, I think out of all three of these guys that we're about to talk about, he's probably the most likely. Um, and, and I think if he does come back as a Maverick, his role would likely look the same as it did this year. I would hope it would look the same because, you know, there, are, there you can make an argument for last year, of course, because, of the Mavericks just, you know, lack of roster stability and, uh, you know, utility between some of their guys, you know, you can make that argument for Davis, but you, you would hope that they address those issues enough to a point that he can, you know, strictly be a, a situation player next year, you know, strictly when the team just needs an interjection of offense and shooting, but that, that would be the idealistic scenario. We'll just have to see what happens. Yeah. I mean, you know, we do a lot of hoping here as a Dallas Maverick fan. So, you know, here's to hoping that he has a similar role as he did this year no 100 percent. cheers to davis guys yeah cheers uh, we, to davis. We, we i don't know what cheers in latvia is but you know we raise up our glasses i raise up my jbl speaker <laughs> so um nonetheless jaron um i guess we'll go ahead and uh, segue into our um sustainability ratings and our one fun stat from davis you took the you know just absolutely you know insanely hard responsibility of taking on two stats in this podcast of our surprising stats uh, versus me only doing one. And I, I did Davis and uh, the stat that I uh, pinpointed, it's actually not even from this year, but I did want to find something 
that was somewhat meaningful. So this is what I landed on essentially was that in the 2022 or the, rather the 2021, 2022 season, uh, when Davis was on the floor for the Dallas Mavericks this is only taking into account his time with the Mavericks, not his time with the wizards whatsoever. When he was on the floor for the Mavericks, he accounted for 23.9% of all of their fast break points. And I don't know how many of you guys divulge deeply into fast break point splits. Um, but, you know, if you, if you kind of scan, scan across uh, some of the margins there, that is fairly high, uh, you know, just for any player, but, you know, much less Davis Bertans, a guy who's not really perceived as, a, you know, a guy that runs out in transition, uh, at least to the common NBA fan. Um, so, you know, it was a very small sample size. We're talking like, you know, maybe the last like 20 or so games where he played there. But he, he was getting out of transition a whole lot. And, uh, you know, we saw that number dip a little bit, but that's that's what I ended up landing on. Hopefully he can uh, just rekindle some of that, um, you know, that that gazelle running in next year in the 2023-2024 season if he's to return with the Mavericks. So that was my um, surprising stat. And, Jaron, if you, if you want to start with your sustainability rating, you have the floor. Yeah, so out of 10, uh, we'll give Davis a good old four. Uh, you know, his play style, you know, there's, there's, there's arguments to be made, but just his like, likability or not, not, not likability, his likability. Uh, I don't even know if that's a word, but uh, that he returns as a Maverick is pretty high. Uh, so I think that's why you have to give him a little bit of a, a little bit of a chance. Um, again, but I mean, I, I, there's been a lot of talk, you know, obviously about, you know, there's the whole Duncan Robinson swap and, you know, if, if the Mavericks are trying to make some sort of negative asset, swap to you know yield something positive or just negative asset for a negative asset swap you know he is a pretty applicable contract to throw in there around yep. like 16 million i don't think i think his uh last year on his contract is only partially guaranteed so um you know that's going to bode well for any team taking him on as well so i don't, I don't know uh he i think you know I, i'm going to be a little bit more of a pessimist uh i would be more on the side that he gets moved just because of the nature of his contract. So I'm going to go three for the sustainability route, uh, but I wouldn't be, you know, all too surprised to see him back in Dallas if they're just not able to get off his deal over the off season, but things tend to open up a little bit in the off season in terms of deals. So you'd hope the Mavericks can, you know, move along in that capacity, but we'll just have to see. Um, would you like to segue us into our next player of focus here, Jaron? Yeah. You know, I would flip a coin, but we don't have time for that. So we'll, we'll segue into Markeith Morris. Um, he had the shortest stint as a Maverick. Um, actually, I'm not even sure how many games he played. So we're going to look at this real quick. In a Mavericks jersey, um, he played eight games and averaged nine minutes per game. Um, you know, I, I think uh, his time in Dallas will be short-lived. Uh, he'll probably have one of the shorter stints in a Mavericks jersey. Probably in Dallas history. He did end up actually posting something um, on Twitter that uh, was sort of um, conflicting with that because uh, it was something about – it was, like, really, like, uh, team supportive. I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was, like, a week or two ago. It, it was around the time that the playoffs were starting and the season ended and uh, some of the fans were a bit taken aback. But um, I would definitely tend to agree with you. There's a fairly li high likelihood that he just goes and joins a contender or something like that. Um, but yes, you know, in his eight games, he, he prospered to say the least. He prospered in the last two, uh, to give us a little jump scare. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, like yeah, there's really not much to talk about in terms of his, I, I, you know, I think, 
I guess we'll have to start with this. Like for you, Will, like, oh, you know, what was the the best thing, I guess, that you saw out of his game? Um, in terms of his strengths, you know, obviously a good back-to-the-basket player, a uh, guy who can get you some sort of instant offense if you're just in a complete drought and you need to opt to go to that, you know, mid-range um, area or, or you just, you know, have no source of offense. But definitely I, I wouldn't say a guy that's like, you know, you know, as reliable as his brother in that aspect, for instance, maybe he's not as quick footed uh, in the post game to, you know, be able to, you know, get to some different nooks and crannies of the defense and shoot over certain spots. You know, he's, he's a little more just, you know, strict back to the basket. I'm shooting my fade away and that's going to be what it is. Um, so I, I just say a little less dynamic than his brother offensively. Um, he definitely a very stout defender, but he's lost a lot of the speed that he had in his younger days. Uh, that's definitely attributed to his downfall on that end. Um, you know, decent three point per shooter, but he's not going to, you know, wow you away on that end. Uh, usually shooting around you know, mid thirties or shade under that. So, you know, he, he's, he's definitely capable when he gets in the game, um, but he's not a guy that the Mavericks I think would rely upon as heavily as some of their other players. And, you know, on top of that, he just has a very, you know, just sort of down to earth game. He'll come in and get some boards. He's a very tough guy. Um, you know, he serves as that sort of remediating factor. If, the Mavericks get into, you know, any sort of uh, imbalance in terms of the, you know, the emotions of the game. If, if uh, things are uh, coming out, you know, not coming around for the Mavericks, he can be that sort of wily uh, veteran presence to come in there and, you know, talk some sense into the guys. But, you know, conversely, he, he's also that sort of enforcer type, you know, that we always used to talk about with James Johnson. So he, he definitely serves a few roles, but, you know, his role in Dallas uh, in terms of this year, is fairly short-lived, uh, you know, and he didn't get to see much time on the court. He was obviously a shoe-in in the Kyrie trade just to kind of make the, sal- the salaries a little bit more friendly. Uh, but even so, he didn't get much of an opportunity because if everybody recalls, he was apparently out of shape and we didn't even see his debut till like five, six games after the trade. I want to say it was like after the All-Star break. Uh, and then he just you know, me and Jaron kind of were pining for him to get a little bit more minutes as the season came down the stretch just because of that, um, you know, sort of ability to, you know, l- rotate as the low man and play some, uh, you know, defense in, in the dunker spots as well as, you know, play some, uh, you know, good man-on-man defense on some of those more, you know, slower-footed three and threes and fours for a team that just needed anything um, in terms of a defensive, like, sort of toughness aspect that they could get, even though Markeith Morris is definitely not, I would say, a good defender by any means, you know, definitely average in the sense, but – anything this Mavericks team can could get, we were pining for. And, you know, he obviously came into his own in those last couple games to prevent the Mavericks from trying to, from trying to tank, you know, with some of these uh, shots he was making. Uh, but, you know, he's a guy that can give you a little bit, you know, that sort of pseudo offensive creation at times with a mid range pull-up jump shot, good back to the basket game. But, um, you know, those aren't things that you're going to be relying upon all too heavily. You know, he's normally just going to be a role player, um, where some of his sort of skills, I guess, in that mid-range area don't necessarily matter when he's on the floor as much. So that's kind of where he projects. Um, you know, I, I could see him being back, just coming back on a minimum deal, but there's also not, like, something necessarily keeping him in Dallas and, you know, keeping him away from going to chase a ring. And, you know, especially I think he's, like, 33 or so. So, yeah. well, we'll just have to see what happens. I think he likes it. I don't know if he disliked it here. I think he liked Kyrie. Uh, you know, still getting a Nets guy to come over with, but just a really weird tenure for him here. And, you know, he just didn't really serve too much um, in terms of his tenure here uh, in terms of how much he matters to the team. So, I mean, that's really all I got from that perspective in terms of his strengths and weaknesses. 
Yeah, I think honestly you you nailed it out about as about as best as you could. I'm trying to to milk as much with these guys as we can, guys. <laughs> like me and Jaron, we told you that we would go ad nauseum into all these players, and that's exactly what we were doing. Yeah, that is exactly what we're doing. Um, yeah, I mean, just to touch up on it a little bit, I feel like his time in Dallas. Um, I don't know if his expectations were high or anything, but I, I do feel like at times he was a little disgruntled. I mean, he voiced his opinions on Twitter. I feel like at some, uh, yeah, a couple of times he like likes some stuff. Yeah. yeah so uh, I, I, he was a little bit outspoken in that regard. I, I just didn't see anything that was like, oh, yeah, he, nothing. Uh, he nothing really wrong. hates the Mavericks. Yeah. But I, I definitely have like some underlying suspicion that he does. But who knows if he actually does? I guess only time will tell in his instance what's going to happen come this offseason and stuff. But, you know, Jaron, what, what do you think he could have done to, to see the floor a little bit more? What do you think he he could possibly marginally improve around next season. And I, you know, I would like to do this category, Jaron, but I just don't even know if it's going to be applicable uh, for us to, you know what, I, I'm going to say this for the, for the category in terms of the player, you know, the season and review categories that we're doing uh, that is the, you know, biggest improvement he made from last year. I'm going to say sustainability just because Markeith Morris went from a guy that got absolutely, you know, body slammed by Jokic and, you know, was injured all season and now he's healthy and at least in games at the end of the season. So that's what I'm going to say his biggest improvement was. Uh, but in terms of what he could actually improve upon uh, going into next year to maybe be a, that, that sort of wildly veteran uh, coming off the bench for the Mavericks, you know, actually be a, you know, sort of a situational rotational player in, in a Bertans-esque way, as we kind of had talked about earlier, what could he do to, to do that, Jaron? Yeah, I think, you know, uh, this team clearly is depleted of run protection. Not saying that he can be, you know, that top to bottom A plus rim defender. I'm not saying that at all, but I do think he can be a decent rim denier, um, you know, just sort of big bodying guys, uh, preventing them from even getting the paint at all. I think, you know, in terms of improvement, that's probably the best he could do is sort of pick and roll defense. I think, yeah, I think just, yeah, his pick and roll defense being a little more quick foot in that sense. Yeah, like more more switchable on defense because that, that was sort of his, his like really bad, like I that's something that kind of disappointed me. Um, was just how unswitchable he was. You know, you have to stick him on. He's guarding guy. bigger threes and fours, and he's able to hold his own yeah. very well. But you know, the second, the second the guy has switched his, on to a smaller guy, yeah, yeah. His, yeah, his speed advantage is lost. He's gone. I, I would definitely say that. And then on the offensive offensive perspective, I, I like the interjection of mid range shooting. But I, I think just in terms of what this Mavericks team needs, you know, if he comes back, he's not even going to be in the echelon of you yeah. know. Hopefully, the Mavericks address some of their one dimensionality problems. So. I just don't know if some of his skills essentially are going to become a little bit more expendable uh, for a roster that just simply doesn't need it as much. So if he can just maybe improve his three point percentage, I mean, point blank, you know, I I think that that would lead to that a little bit more, but I mean, other than that, Jaron, let's go ahead and uh, churn out Markeith Morris's intriguing stat that you uh, did. You know what? I I think we'll make it even Jaron and I'll, I'll give cause I incidentally before the podcast started searched up a, Staff from Markeith Morris. So I'll go ahead and include mine. So me and Jaron both do too. Um, and, you know, we, even though there's only three players for the podcast. So Jaron, you can go first and then I'll do mine. Okay. So while Markeith Morris is on the floor, he accounts for a total of 40.5% of the team's personal fouls of whenever he's on the floor. So I, I think that's a stat that is only held by Markeith Morris, especially for this team. Yes, I, I would tend to agree. He, um, he did pick up, you know, he didn't pick up as many fouls as I thought he would coming in Dallas. He wasn't as a, you know, vocal towards the refs as, you know, I think people would have originally conceived throughout his career. So uh, just being a little bit more of a, 
you know, stabilizing factor in that vet, in that veteran role, I think is where he's kind of slated to be at this stage in his career. I think he's definitely a little smarter than he once was. Um, but yeah, no, that's a, that's an interesting dig. Keep in mind that all of these are like extremely small sample size. And, yeah. um, you know, some of these are basically like negligible, like there's not even anything to realistically take away from them, but <laughs> we're going to do them anyways. Obviously when we get into some of the, you know, higher tier players, they're going to be a little bit easier to attribute to. Uh, but my player, uh, my uh, stat rather uh, was in mid range jump shots. You know, I don't know exactly how that's defined, but this is by spec second spectrum and NBA.com. I believe it's within a certain feet range. Uh, he shot 46.2% of the season. So solid, uh, solid number there, you know, when he had to be a little bit more self-sufficient and, you know, he can build a Mavericks at the end of a shot clock possession every now and then. So there you go. Um, <laughs> what is a, what would you say sustainability rating is Jaron? We'll go not too low, not too high. We'll go a one and a half. Uh, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to keep it. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm going to say a two because I, I just really, I, I don't know. Just something rubs me the way that he's just not going to be back for whatever reason, yeah. uh, just because there's, he'll just go to ring chase. Um, but you know, if he really enjoys Kyrie that much, he enjoys the culture here. You never know. So I'll, I'll go with two, but even, even lower than Davis, I would definitely say. Um, but lastly, we'll be getting into Justin holiday and his strengths and weaknesses with the Mavericks. And, you know, we'll just be glossing over him. And besides that, we will have wrapped up our, our three for the day. How are, how are you feeling so far, Jaron? Uh, two thirds uh, of the way in with these, uh, we are two thirds. You know, we got Davis Bertans, the, the Latvian laser himself. And then we got Markeith Morris. What, what would, what would you tally his nickname? What, what would his nickname be? Um, I would probably say like the aggressive mole or something like that. <laughs> like, just like, I, that was bad, but I, maybe, uh, that's what maybe uh, I'm trying to think of like bigger animals or like the, the hypnotizing hippo, but I mean, even then he's not really hypnotizing. So, or maybe the, uh, he hurt his neck. Uh, Davis could like he, but we have the gazelle tie in for Davis though, just because of the that way makes sense. Goes. That makes sense. But, I mean, he, he's the, he's the, uh, the, the glazing gazelle. I don't know. But anyways, <laughs> uh, on to Justin holiday, Jaron. Uh, what do you think some of the better things he did this season were for the Mavericks? You know, he's obviously came out, came out over the, uh, the buyout market after the Mavericks originally thought they were going to get Terrence Ross. Uh, they signed him and he, he had this sort of interjection of uh, three and D just, uh, you know, play that really bolstered the Mavericks for a few games there. And then he sort of just tallied off. What did you come to make of his 2022, 2023 stint with the Mavericks? Yeah. So for Justin holiday, you know, I felt like defensively that was his one sort of strong suit uh, through his 18 games played in Dallas. Uh, that was one thing that I felt like really stat, really tacked on for, you know, uh, pretty much every minute that he played was defense. I don't think that there was maybe a handful of games here and there. Uh, there was sort of, you know, a few hiccups, uh, but I don't think that there was anything collectively that, you know, you could have question marked uh, on the defense side of ball. You know, offensively, that was where the sort of one dimensionality came in for his game, uh, you know, was really stuck to having to shoot, you know, open threes. And even at times we saw him hesitate and sort of pass up open threes. Like that's what we brought him in here to do was uh, become that three and D guy. And, you know, we, we did see him pass up some of those open three attempts. So I, you know, I think offensively um, as one dimensional as it gets was, you know, sort of his trademark game. Um, you know, it, of course, early on his stint in Dallas, you know, he had that one crazy game, just uh, like the first game he played, what well, he had like 15 points on, uh, I think it was like five of six shooting or five of seven. Yeah, from three. Um, yeah, and then, you know, as it sort of tallied on, you know, we lost a little bit of that. I, I think he had one more good performance in there. But, 
you know, like I said, other than that, I, I didn't really feel like we got the full Justin Holiday uh, trifecta, I should say, um, of three-point shot making. Uh, you know, I, I do think um, it, what was there's another offensive sort of get for him. Uh, you know, his sort of uh, I, th- I thought he did a good, decent job at uh, he he's a decent like step up shooter uh, off of closeouts. That yeah he, yeah he yeah. take a, he takes some of those occasionally and. You know, he, he showed flashes of uh, some decent cutting throughout the season, you know, whether it was like, you know, you know, he was he, he made some a few good backdoor cuts, a few good like 45 angled cuts. But, um, you know, he, he got out in transition a little bit, which was kind of surprising. Almost it seemed like he was like kind of in a cherry pit, cherry picking esque way yeah. at times. But uh, other than that, there just definitely wasn't a full lot of uh, dynamism to his offense, to your point. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he's just got to be more consistent knocking in those threes, you know, cause that's, you know, literally his niche. That's his role. He ended up only shooting, you know, granted only 18 games, but he's had this sort of steady decline uh, the last couple of years as he started to get into his, you know, mid thirties uh, in terms of his three point shot. And he, he only shot 28.6% total on threes in Dallas. And, you know, he, he just had that steep decline and really after his first five or six games or whatever it was. And uh, I mean, that, that just kind of makes a player of his caliber, um, and his, uh, you know, and, and what his role is on the team, especially at his age, it, it just kind of makes it uh, very unfulfilling. And um, it, it honestly, like, you know, warrants maybe a guy that may not really be in the NBA much longer if he continues to shoot like that. Because, you know, he's a really good um, rotational defender. That's that's his hallmark for sure. He got a lot of blocks, you know, just on closeouts, you know, closing at the three-point shooters. Um, was really good at picking passing lanes, um, you know, when a guy came off a, a screen and was, you know, ready, um, you know, set in stone to, you know, catch and shoot, and he would just pick it off. But, you know, he's not the most insane one-on-one defender just due to his lack of strength. He has good length and good speed, but, you know, he can get bodied pretty easily, uh, even from some smaller guards. Um, so that and, and kind of coupled with, uh, you know, some of his offensive woes, uh, definitely sort of a, you know, led me to to believe that this is kind of a player that I, I, I just don't know how much longer his his role is going to persist in the NBA uh, unless he can just stay a little bit more tried and true to that three and D label uh, be a little bit more consistent uh, you know in terms of the three the, the defense I, th- I think that is kind of what it is um, he, he's a decent defender in some aspects of the game but maybe not others and you know as a, a role player in his mid-30s you know you take that where you can get it uh, but the three-point shooting has got to be more consistent or his shelf life in the NBA is going to be fairly short here. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's probably a perfect, you know, segue into, you know, what sort of improvements he needs to make. Uh, and as you said, you know, this is sort of a guy that, you know, and I, I would agree that his his NBA career might not last much longer. So I think really improvements that need to be made for his NBA career to survive uh, and that being three-point shot making, you know, I, I, I don't know if it needs to necessarily improve his sort of, you know, repertoire of shooting uh, more so than just improve his shot I mean, making. He's, he's a fairly confident shooter. I mean, I know you talked about how he, uh, he passed us some shots towards the end of the season, but I mean, he's a guy that like, if he's open, even if it's an off the dribble shot, you know, he's not going to be a guy that needs to pass it back out every time to, uh, you know, the, uh, the primary ball handler and get more, you know, synchronized. He's not like a Josh Green when he's having his confidence woes uh, type of player. Like he'll take a shot. He'll take a spot up too, um, if it, if it's yeah. right there for him or step up to whatever. 
Um, but you know, if, if they can, you know, he's, he's a decently kind of fast guy for, you know, his, his age, I guess. And, you know, if they, if they can get him in some, like maybe some curl off scenarios or, uh, you know, he, they implement a little bit more cutting. I think that would open up his game a little bit more, but I mean, at the end of the day, he can't, he can't shoot 28.6% from three, um, even though it was only 18 games, you know, in the modern NBA at his age, it's just not a recipe for staying on the floor as we alluded to. And I, th- I think it's like point blank, like that's what he needs to improve upon next yeah. season. Um, in terms of uh, biggest improvement from last season to this year, um, I mean, honestly, he declined more so than anything from what I, the sort of consensus from Indiana and yeah. uh, or Pacers fans and Hawks fans is that, you know, he's honestly got a little bit worse, uh, particularly in his time as in Atlanta uh, compared to last season. Um, but, you know, if I, if I had to just guess one thing and I'm going to purely kind of BS this off of his, his time strictly in Dallas, I'm, I'm going to say he did a little bit better of a job getting out in transition uh, versus his time there. But I, I have nothing to back that up. That's just me. guessing. <laughs> uh, do you have any, do you have any digs there, Jaren? No, I honestly don't have any digs. I think that's probably the best bullshitting that I've seen done on yeah. this podcast. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think, in terms of, you know, what sort of improvements he has to make, uh, it just, as you said, point blank, it has to be the three-point shot making um, or, or three-point shooting for that matter. Um, you know, there's just not a world where he can exist in where strictly he's just a, an average defender um, and can't make, you know, but 28%. Yeah, of I mean, he's, like, he's 34. Like he's not, you know, some of the other guys you can maybe make a pitiful argument or I mean, not even with Markeith at all. He's like 33, but obviously you can maybe make a pitiful argument that he still has a, a last chance hope to add a little bit of strength to his repertoire to, you know, make him more of a stout defender. Like Justin Holiday just turned 34. You know, his, his game isn't changing. He can improve upon what, you know, the sort of uh, pillars of his game are. And that's, you know, that's his, uh, his track to getting better or staying in the league. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think it's a not tradition in the NBA, but you know, usually you get at least a little bit of clock uh, in your birthday uh, and you have a game on your birthday, but on April 5th, whenever he turned 34, um, you know, this is something I could pull out of my ass. Uh, he didn't play a single second against the, the second. Oh my. <laughs> that is uh, doing them dirty by you right there. But yeah, I mean, that that's really all I have from a, you know, a, a profiling perspective in terms of like what he did this year for the Mavericks. Uh, do, I, do you think his role was fair? Like, do you want to talk about that weird little stint where he was granted the, you know, the starters job just because of that one good game? Do you, do you think that Jason Kidd started him strictly because of that like first game or first game or two or whatever it was? Yeah, I think, yeah. you know, clearly Jason Kidd saw something he liked uh, in that first game, you know, whether it was a three point shooting or, you know, defensively, whatever he saw in that first game, I forget who was it against. Um, but you know, clearly he saw something that he liked, uh, and he started him, I think for the Over next Josh Green. five games. Yeah. Um, that was the whole Josh Green confidence bout thing. Yeah, exactly. And that's what happened. And it sort of derailed Josh Green's. And Justin Holiday really just kind of stayed on that steady decline after those like first. After, yeah. In. Yeah. So, yeah, I think, you know, overall. And, I thought and his role was pretty fair. Yeah. I think his role was fair, especially as the season tagged along, but there, there's a lot of things, especially this season that you can sort of microscope, but this was, you know, one of those decisions, I think later in the season, you know, you're dealing with a young player uh, who just got his starting role after the um, after the Kyrie trade that I think that, you know, there, there was some question marks to be made uh, as the, you know, the, and there was. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that, you know, 
his role was kind of fair, but his starting role, I think that was something to be questioned. I definitely tend to agree with you. So if he was to come back next year, I think that, you know, he would just be a sort of savvy veteran that, you know, can play some, you know, if a three and D guy kind of goes down, you could pencil him in there. He's kind of a shoe in toward the guy, but definitely a reserve guy, guys that's not in your consistent rotation. Uh, but hopefully he could give you some minutes if any of your three and D guys are kind of injured or something like that. Like if he's come back, but you know, what was, what do you think that, what was the one surprising stat that you were able to dig off of him? The one surprising stat, and I feel like this is actually a pretty good stat, uh, went on the floor, Justin Holiday accounted for 33.3% of the team's blocks. Um, and yeah. I think that that was one of his positive was his shot blocking. And I think, yeah, yeah his shot yeah. blocking on closeouts. Just yeah. Closeouts, especially, I think he was honestly the only one, you know, uh, uh, maybe a handful of guys on, on this roster, but I think he was the one consistent guy uh, that on closeouts and in a, a shot scenario, he was pretty much the only guy that could consistently block, yeah, um, yeah. you know, those three point shots or whatever it was. Yeah, no, he really uses, he's used his link to his advantage in that department really all of his career. So that's a good dig by you. Um, other than that, I would probably say the sustainability rating from him just because of how he finished the year with the Mavericks. I'd probably tally it at like a three and a half, but I think it's, I mean, I, I could see them bringing him back at the end of the bench just because he really likes the culture here. He, he conversely on social media has, you know, had a lot of Instagram posts that are sort of, you know, appreciating his time in the NBA still, you know, still playing, still playing in Dallas. So, you know, if they bring him back just in a mentorship, you know, wanting to add more veteran veterans, you know, leadership to this roster for the roster definitely needs it, but also needs an influx of youth. They just need everything uh, at this point. <laughs> so um, I, I could see it. I, I wouldn't be to- like, I wouldn't be as shocked if he came back um, versus Markeith Morris, for sure. Uh, just give him, they took a chance on him, um, you know, at the, at the buyout uh, time period uh, when that was always, you know, all uh, coming under light. So um, I, I think the organization kind of likes him. I think he likes the organization, you know, is he worth a roster spot? If there's better guys on the market, probably not, but uh, you know, at a veteran minimum, you know, if, if you have nothing else to do and everything else is already filled out, I could see it. So that's, I'd say three and a half or four. Yeah, I mean, I would honestly, I would, I'd say three and a half as well. I think that there is a role for him on a team, you know, where he's not going to play. Uh, I think he's got one more crack at the NBA, essentially. Like, yeah, I think it, that this is yeah. his last, you know, season for that matter. And that, you know, this yeah, isn't if, a, if he's, he's not season. shooting it well, yeah. then he's gone. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah, he's going to have the Tyler yeah. Dorsey effect. But he so. he could turn out a few more years if he if he continues if he starts shooting well. You know, just being, you know, maybe not in the most prominent of roles, but. This is a guy that's reliable to come off the bench and hit some shots every now and then and uh, play some good defense. So that's uh, that's really uh, all we got for today, Jaron. Um, it, it was definitely um, an, an underwhelming sort of uh, pod from the perspective of who we were doing, but, you know, not underwhelming from uh, how exciting it was to do. Yeah. Next, we have Faku Composite. I'm sorry. We'll be getting into a little bit of the front half of the roster. I think Dwight Powell will be one of the guys, but – you know, this will be released in tandem with another podcast and we'll have, you know, some of the more prominent role players. And, you know, we're going to get back to our, 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 our trademark here of turning these out. We had a little bit of a delay uh, just with school and stuff, but we are working through that and we're going to be uh, really getting through these season profiles. Uh, you know, we're not going to falter and, and veer too far off track here. You know, we obviously took a four or five day break, but um, you know, when we really didn't intend to, but we're, we're having some school things come up, but everything will be done well before the draft lottery and we'll still be on schedule to get all this content out for you guys. So, you know, and enjoy the first round of the playoffs. If, if you do rely on our podcast for entertainment, which I, I doubt you do, but enjoy the first round of the playoffs. But other than that, you can catch us on Apple podcasts and Spotify. 
um, at mainstream at the mainstream mass podcast, of course, um, give us a five-star rating, uh, follow us if you so please. We really appreciate that. You can also find us on YouTube. Um, make sure to like comment and subscribe. If you are watching on YouTube, comment down below. Um, will the Mavericks have a playoff game next year that tops the excitement of the heat playoff game the other day with Jimmy Butler pouring in 56 and the win over the bucks and Giannis's return. The Mavericks probably won't, but we can only hope and dream that something that cool would happen. Other than that, <laughs> uh, make sure to follow us on Twitter at mainstream underscore Mavs, and we will catch you guys in the next season and review player profiles podcast. Bye-bye.